Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Today is a national holiday of Father's Day, and we do recognize that. Um, it's not a liturgical feast, but it's a important emphasis on fatherhood. These days, um, seems like men in general, and that would include fathers, are not uh, truly appreciated. And I remember uh, I was driving down five on my way to Spokane some years ago, and uh, there was a big bull billboard there. And there was a man sitting in a chair with his paints hoisted up on this billboard, and he was uh, painting the billboard. And I thought to myself, if one rope went wrong, he'd be dead. And I thought to myself, I wonder if his children know how he's putting bread on the table. For you will eat at the, the table of your father. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. These words are taken from the Gospel today about eating in the kingdom. And everybody knows, it has brain too, that God is our Father. He created us. He created us in justice, but we lost that through original sin. But there has been a new creation, and the reign of grace is now upon the earth for those who avail themselves to the life of grace, the divine energies of God, that all of us, good and bad, participate in his creative energies, that we're here. And he is our origin. If one moment he did not will it, we would disappear. I, I think about my own father and my grandfather and how they worked. And they were very good providers, by the way. And I, I'll pray for women that uh, they have a husband that is a good provider. Um, sometimes today it takes both of them working to put the bread on the table, pay the mortgage, prepare a future for their children with education. But children just assume these things are going to happen and it's their right. It's not the case. We know what the church teaches about children, that we have to take care of them spiritually, physically, educate them, discipline them, 
and love them. Five things. That's the job of a mother and a father. And the children sort of presume this is going to happen. More and more that is not happening. We are in a sick society. The family is the heart of civilization. At the head of the family, there must be a father. I've been reading the life of Carl of Austria, who was beatified by John Paul II. Now, for people who come from, or whose forebears came from Austria-Hungary, he was the last emperor and a very, very holy man. He was a father in the fullest sense of the term. He had eight children. And his wife was Zita, a princess of Bourbon. They lived a very difficult life because the era of revolution was starting in Europe in the 1840s, and they were bound determined to destroy the monarchies. Monarchies are a Catholic institution and the basis of fatherhood in a nation. The monarch was the father of his people and responsible for them like he was, uh, people are responsible as dads for their family. Carl begged President Wilson and others in World War I not to kill all these young men in that bloody roar. But Wilson did not like him for two reasons. Number one, he was a Catholic, and second, he was a monarch. My grandparents, my Bob and Zedo, my Slav grandparents, they came from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. I looked at my grandfather's obituary, and it's, it's in there, I, ha I have it in one of my books in my room. And I asked them one time, I said, why did you leave Europe? I said, didn't you like Europe? They said, we loved Europe. My grandfather particularly loved Vienna, the city of dreams. Music, 24 hours a day. Grand ceremonies, beautiful buildings the very height of Western civilization. I said, well, did you like, did you like the case? He said, we love Franz Joseph. He was wonderful to us. And Maria Theresa, one of his predecessors, when she was empress, she went to Rome and she asked the Pope, do you know who the Ruthenians are? And he, the Pope said, well, more or less. He says, I don't really, they're sort of a mountain people, Slavs. He says, she says, I want to make sure that you know they're in union with the Catholic Church. In uh, Ruthenia, there was Maria Push, because the Ruthenia was larger than it is now, and they're always carving up Europe. 
People who don't recognize who people are carve up Europe all the time. Not recognizing their tribes or their ethnic origins, giving them new nationalities, new languages, enforcing it upon them. That's not right. We call those people, those people now, democracies. Kings which were much more lenient and more concerning of their people. They were also anointed by the bishop, and it's I consider it the eighth sacrament of the church. Why? They were fathers to their people. They concerned there was, well, did they live in wealth? Well, wealth was in those days, but they provided a civilization for their people, a music, a reading, the arts. So when you go to Europe now, you go to see these same monster, uh, monuments, cathedrals and museums and palaces, they're left over from the monarchs, and now they're tourist attractions. It was a greater civilization. I think technologically we're probably better off, but as far as morality and spiritual and political leadership, we are not. We're worse off. Because then we had a father to our nation. I will not say anything about the present administration, but I will say our government is immoral. It does not keep the commandments, especially the one about do not kill. It does not have much concern for the family life. By liberalization of sexual behavior and legalizing it, and by liberalizing the divorce laws, which destroy the family. Divorces are not good. It destroys the family for many generations, and many of them leave the church. And above all, it does recog not recognize that the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage has stages of development and people change. And it takes time to grow through these stages in marriage for the marriage to endure. And a certain lack of selfishness and the realization that you made a promise to your Heavenly Father when you were married. In the Western world, for the most part, marriage is a legal situation, dealing with property and responsibility for children. It's not very good. In our world, especially the Byzantine Catholic world, marriage is accomplished by the blessing of the priest. Couples don't marry each other, and there are no vows. It's the blessing of the priest. It's through the blessing of the priest and the teaching of the church, they become moms and dads. 
when they bring their children to the temple to be baptized, chrismated, and fed on the body and blood of the Lord, the table of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It also holds them together as a couple. Years ago when I was Holy Trinity, there were a couple there, older couple, and uh, they were going to be married 75 years. I, f I celebrated their 75th anniversary. I said the, the, the Divine Liturgy. And uh, in the church, church was full. Our church there held 800 people. And uh, most of the people there were there, either their children, their children's children, or their great-grandchildren. She was, had lost the use of one of her legs. And uh, I used to, uh, I told her, uh, her husband would help her get up to the uh, receive communion. And I said, well, you don't have to do that. I said, I can walk down and give her communion. He said, she says, no, I want him to hold me as we go to communion together. I could not interfere with that. I asked them when they was going to have their 75th anniversary for their jubilee and great jubilee how the marriage was. He said, Father, it was not easy. But we stuck together like two pages with, with glue. We did not give up when things were tough, when things were not going well. We promised God, and we put our hand in the gospel book when we were married, and they, we, kept our, we kept our promise to God, God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. These are the ones you have to be concerned about in marriage. How's your marriage going? What do they think of it? Egotism destroys life, children, and families. Lack of going to confession and talking to the priest destroys families. Frequent communion and attendance divine liturgy is necessary to keep you on straight and narrow to be a family. So recently, um, it's been a while now, a few months, one of my friends called me. We went through St. Philip Neri School in Boston. It was wonderful. And we studied Greek and Latin there. And uh, he didn't uh, persevere to be a priest. But he would, I was ordained him a couple years, and he came to my ordination in my first liturgy. With, and when he got married, I went to his wedding and concelebrated at the liturgy. And we kept, not bosom buddies, but we kept in touch with each other. So he called me earlier this year, and he said he was moving. So he's called me many times, like when Coca-Cola company fired him without giving his pension to him. There's a lot of injustice in the world.
So uh, I, he said to me, he says, you know, Father, my parish church is half empty. He said, what do you think about that? I said, number one, the people that built that church, they are in the cemetery and their souls are in heaven. I said, the other thing is they had five, six, and seven children. They were open to life. So they needed all that room in the church. And the sexual revolution of sex being a wonderful indoor sport that everybody's entitled to was not their thought. Their thought was a sacred responsibility for the family. Times have changed radically in a couple hundred years. If you didn't have a family and you were a farmer, you didn't have any laborers. I remember my grandparents talking about in Europe, all the young men with their wives would go work in the fields. They'd herd the children together in the courtyard of the farmhouse and the barns, and one or two of the, the grandmothers would be there to take care of them until they got back from the fields. It was a tough life. But it, may, it was good for families. They knew what they were about. The third thing I said to him is, the people don't like the liturgy you have now. He hasn't called me back. Three things are crucial to the family. The blessing of the church in marriage. So helping, receiving children from God through marital embrace willingly. And thirdly, attendance with attentiveness and prayer to the sacraments. That's what builds the family. We have to be very careful with the children we're raising that we send, put down to them each generation, generation, family values. In my lifetime, I've seen that crumble not only in society, but even in my cousins and, my, and even in the church. Priests are afraid to get up and preach because they'll offend somebody. Let, let them be offended, but let them know the truth. My father, Joseph, and his father, Joseph, I'm Joseph III, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. They taught me my religion. Seminary was full of book learning and arguments, apologetics, Greek and Latin. Scripture studies were terrible. Liturgy, I took four years of liturgical theology. I loved it. But it was an academic situation. I really learned how to live the Catholic faith in my grandparents' home. Mom and Dad were busy making money. That's the way America is, I guess. And so, I watched my grandparents. You know, your children are watching you. 
the way you treat your wife or your husband or the way you treat your children is exactly what they're going to do to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. It's going to be for better or for worse. That's where they're learning. They're learning that now at your knee. If they see you pray, they might say, well, our kids got to pray too. They see the children are baptized and things like that. They were, they were raised that way, and they benefited from that. They saw the solidarity of the family and the love between the mother and father. Not a Hollywood love, but that's, that's not real love. Commitment is real love. So I want to talk about my grandmother and grandfather. They, they came from two little villages in eastern Slovakia. And that village had been in three countries in a hundred years. It was in Austro-Hungaria, then it was in Czechoslovakia, and now it's the Slovenska Republic, it's a Slovak public. Very Catholic, 90% Catholic. Eastern and Western. Most Eastern Catholics are in the Eastern part of that country, the Ruthenians. I would watch them. So I called my grandmother the queen of the pots because she cooked. She cleaned the house. And my grandfather went out and worked. He didn't retire till he was 75. And he would come home with the pay envelope and they would go in the bedroom and close the door and they'd decide how the money was gonna go that week. Now, they, when they came from Europe, they, came, they didn't come with nothing because my grandfather had some gold coins in his pocket when he came from Europe. But they had probably nothing, hardly nothing. And they were laborers. They wound up with three houses, an apartment house, and lots of cash in the bank. What did they do? They always ate at home. There were three meals on the table. If they went to thing, it was either a wedding or a christening. They were in church every Sunday and holiday. And so when I would get bored, when I was uh, being taken care of them in the summers, especially if my grandmother knew something was going on in the church and I looked bored, she says, go to church, go to Vespers, go pray. And I go to pray. I was probably sometimes the only young person there, and all the older people were there. But I didn't mind. Then I'd get home from doing that. I got a treat. Sometimes on Sunday, we had two desserts. Can you imagine that? The house was immaculate. Everybody was immaculate. She kept me immaculate. The food was excellent. The garden was beautiful. So one evening, especially this time of year, they would go out after dinner and work in the garden together, the two of them. And I had to go work in the garden. So <laughs> I would come in the house when it started to get dusk. And you know, by 10 o'clock, everybody was praying and they had to be in bed by 10. There was no TV. 
So anyway, I came in one evening. I said, well, when do we get recreation? And my grandmother looked at me and said, you just had your recreation. You got to work in the garden and pull the weeds and see the plants grow and plant the seeds. And what more would you want? All children had to work and learn how to keep a house and take care of things. And Daddy was there, Zeto was there, one of them, and said, you listen. I thought I was hard put upon, but it was a great education. And my grandfather was a great man. I've only cried at a few funerals in my life, but I cried at his funeral. I was in trouble in the house one day, and they cleaned, you know, you could eat off the floor. Everything was so clean. That was a, they lived in the Australian Empire. Everybody was that way. Not the Russians or other people, but they were. And I ran into the house with mud on my shoes. And my baba really threw a fit. She says, you knew better than to come in there. So my grandfather's there, and he says, Yoshko. That's Joey, nicknamed. They had a lot of nicknames, Slavs. I said, what's that, though? He said, come, come, come. He said, come on. She took me out the back door of the house. We went down the alley, and he says, we're going to go for ice cream now. I was, my feelings had been hurt. And uh, he says, you know, the women, they're cooking and cleaning and they're smelling all those chemicals. And he says, you know, that affects their brain a little bit, but they sh when we go home at dinner time, everything will be okay. What is that though? What a, what a father figure. He didn't say anything about mother or my grandmother or my aunts were wrong, he fixed it. He was a father. It was not easy for them to raise children. They had four children. One died in a fire. They had two boys left and a daughter. My father was the only one that got married and produced a child. I was the only heir. Disappointing. Because they were all busy all the time. I got a fine education. Excellent education. I am actually spoiled. Daddy paid for college. I had a school full scholarship for the seminary. St. Joseph, my father in heaven, patron saint of the family, took care of everything for me to this day. That's why this cathedral is named, his patron saint is St. Joseph. You gentlemen, pay attention to him. How did he live with a virgin who he could not have marital relations with 
and respect the word of an angel and provide for them even to have to go into exile in Egypt. But he had a holy death, and he's a great saint in heaven. Look at him, his purity, his hard-workingness, his quietness in the face of difficulty. He's a great saint, a great father. Good example for all you men and for priests and everybody. Today's Father's Day, and we're going to eat at our Father's table the body and blood of Jesus in a little while. We're going to be celebrate the one important meal with our Father because we are faithful to our church and to our tradition, which built us up in a believing family, or we adopted a believing family. The church itself in America is in trouble. It tries to accommodate itself to the political situation. Don't do that. You lose your faith. Accommodate yourself to the call of heaven, to your Heavenly Father, who knows what's good for you. We have the manual. It's called the New Testament. But if you really read the Bible, but you don't understand it, you need to, better, you need to get a teacher to explain to you. Our teacher is the commentary of the liturgy on the Bible. It tells us what it means. The temple here is a replica of the temple that they talk about in the um, apocalypse. Every, all those symbols are used here. The Repidia, the angels, all these things. And we have on the back wall our martyrs, our fathers in faith of the Ruthenian church who died for that church. A lady wrote an article about our church. Uh, it's uh, Father Pater, uh, Father uh, Theodore's mom, she wrote it. She's submitted it somewhere. And I read it, and she says, when you looked out this way from the altar, you saw the congregation sitting with the martyrs on the back wall. How beautiful. How beautiful. We are not responsible for ourselves. God and our mother, father brought us into this life. They are responsible to keep us alive, to destroy the sickness that is a part of original sin, to teach us our holy Catholic faith. And Dad was on the side, always watching and working and teaching us also the religion. That's what a father does. And let your children cry and whine and everything. Sooner or later, they will learn discipline. And by the time they're 30, if they make it and don't fall off the bandwagon and not in the church, which is a tragic to any mother or father, they will say, gee, how good mom and dad were to me. How they shared their, shared their faith their health, 
their time, their talent, their money to raise us. And how they extended us into the extended family so we knew who we were. I used to worry about my father, what he thought about me. He never said too much. I remember I called him from college. I had overdrawn my checking account. I thought he was going to really raise it. He said, "What? how much do you need? I said, Dad, I mistaked a 10 for 100, and I, I'm overdrawn $100. He says, don't worry about it. I'll send it to you. Money is always important, especially from children of immigrants and their grandchildren, because they had to suffer so much to keep, to keep food on the table. I said to my father one time, when I graduated from Michigan State University, he asked me, he said, I've got you signed up for dental school. I said, Dad? I says, I don't want to inflict pain on people. I want to alleviate pain. I want to be a priest. He says, if you're going to be a priest, you better be a good one. We don't want a disgrace in the family. On another occasion, I was talking with my dad. I said, Dad, is there anything I would do that would really disappoint you? says, nothing, you're only human, except if you would leave the church. I'll never leave the church. I went to church one day with my dad. I was a little boy. You don't think children are paying attention in church. They are, in their way. And as we walked in the door of the church, the Pieta was there, Our Lady holding the body of Jesus Christ and my dad I was he was holding on to me my hand and he lent, he kneeled over and he kissed the feet of Jesus very moving for me at three dad I love you dearly you're a wonderful example to me even with all the troubles and you people here love your fathers. Watch them closely, pray with them, and be good to them till they breathe their last breath. And be assured they are praying for you in heaven. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, I hope you gentlemen can live up to that homily. <laughs>